With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hey everybody, the Hockey News Podcast is back. Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell and Ryan Kennedy. Uh, You know, it's the quiet season, but that doesn't mean there aren't still some news breaks. Unfortunately, the biggest news break over the weekend is some sad news. Uh, Hockey World lost Ray Emery in a surprise drowning accident. Uh, At this point, I mean, there aren't too many details about his death yet. Um, But in terms of just remembering Ray Emery, what what comes to mind when you think of Emery and sort of how he'll be remembered as a player? Well, for me, it was it was the 06-07 season with the Ottawa Senators when he, you know, when that team um, that had been building for so long, you know, they had been building something for so long, and uh, and they finally made it to the final. They didn't, you know, they didn't obviously didn't didn't win the final and were decidedly the second best team in that series. Um, but that was that was a pretty tight, pretty special group of guys. Um, and, you know, Emery was probably, you know, here's a guy who came from some pretty humble circumstances, you know, raised by a single mom in, in, uh, in, in the Hamilton area, uh, you know, and sort of scratched and clawed his way up through minor hockey and, and um, wasn't a kid that sort of had everything handed to him on a silver platter, was a late pick, you know, wasn't really highly regarded until, you know, sort of he got into his 20s and, and then, you know, was probably one of the best goalies in the NHL for a period of two or three years. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't talk to him a lot. I talked to him a couple of times. Um, he always seemed pretty engaging. He was one of those guys that you never really knew. Like, something would come out of his mouth and it would be some kind of sort of dry, under-the-radar kind of thing that he'd say. And then afterwards, you'd go, wow, that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I know, you know, he was a guy who showed up in a snowmobile once to... Uh, a game Crazy. in Ottawa. Yeah, he 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 just he just wheels in on a snowmobile. Um, so you know, a, a character, a, you know, a, a different cat who took a different route to the NHL. And you know, I mean, anytime someone loses their life at 35 under those circumstances, it's you know a huge tragedy for the hockey world and obviously for his family. Who you know, I think all our hearts go out to everyone who was touched by this. For sure. Yeah, I had much the same experience. I, I always felt that. You know, Emery, he really, you know, opened up in interviews. He gave you good stuff. He was, you know, very, uh, you know, cordial when it came to that. And, and it was kind of fun because, you know, on the ice, he had that great, passionate um, personality to him. You know, best fighting goalie of all time. <laughs> right, you know? that's what I was, was going to say. That's what I'm going to remember Ray Emery as. Yeah. The, the, the toughest goalie ever. Yeah. The guy yeah. that, you know... Saw Andrew Peters and was like, yeah, I want to fight you right now. I've already fought a goalie. That was nothing to me. I want to fight an actual enforcer. He did it with a smile. And he was smiling the whole time. Like a maniacal smile. He loved it. He was like, this is is what I've been building towards, you know? 
And, you know, you, you look at a lot of guys um, from the Ontario area that, that knew him from, um, you know, either playing together growing up or, you know, NHL players always get together for, for camps during the summer just to train and stuff. And, and all of them had great memories of him. And I, I think that's the thing is, you know, he was a guy that inspired a lot of love in the dressing room. Mm -hmm. And for me, too, I, I remember, you know, that lockout year, the, the lockout shortened season when he was with the Blackhawks. Um, you know, Corey Crawford ended up being their goalie in the playoffs and, and, and they won the Stanley Cup. But, but Ray Emery was almost unbeatable that year. 1.94 oh, yeah. goals against mm -hmm. average, 922 save percentage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Dan, I mean, when he was on, he was a pretty fantastic goaltender. And I think Emery, in a way, too, was ahead of his time. I mean, obviously, one of the few black players in the league at his time. And he was a guy who wasn't afraid to show personality. And sometimes I think hockey culture wasn't really ready for him. Mm -hmm. But I think you can make a case that he sort of laid some, some foundation for guys like P.K. Subban today that are black players and role models that are showcasing more of their personality. And I think in the era of you know, social media, it's more accepted today. But Emery was one of the first guys to really do that and just, you know, wear some crazy suits and have some swagger. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it wasn't always well received at the time. But if he was a rookie today, he might have been a better fit for the modern game. Yeah. And I think he was a guy, too, that really, um, you know, he worked at his craft. He, he, he was a guy who I think really dedicated himself to being, you know, tremendously fit. Uh, first of all, and then, you know, worked with Eli Wilson a lot, uh, you know, during his career. And I think was a guy who really cared about becoming better and and not just sort of relying on his, on his natural gifts and becoming, you know, he, he actually became a, you know, became an NHL goaltender, if you will, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I remember talking to him once in a hotel lobby in Toronto and I, my my theory about the Ottawa Senators was, and I think it was in the year that they went to the final, I said, you guys aren't going to win a Stanley Cup until you beat the Leafs in a playoff round. And and then you will be unstoppable. And he, he, he looked and he, he sort of said, yeah, he said, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Washington beating Pittsburgh. This right, year, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, well, our hearts go out to anyone who's been affected by Emery's death. And um, rest in peace, Ray. Um, let's move on to some trade talk, or at least trade scuttlebutt. And this is one, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I get asked about this one all the time. And I don't know if I have the answer. But, and the question is, what is Montreal doing with Max Pacioretty? Specifically, why are they reducing their leverage by openly admitting that Pacioretty is not going to be re-signed? Does that not drop his value? Uh, and what do you think is going to happen? Is Max Pacioretty going to get traded before the season starts? Well, first, first of all, they haven't openly admitted that he's not going to be re-signed. It was one of those sort of back-channel things that got out. Yeah, yeah. So they haven't openly admitted it. I, Wait, I, I, somebody admitted it to somebody. Yeah, somebody admitted <laughs> it to somebody. But I, I don't... I, I don't get any of this. I don't get any of this. Mm. I, don't, I don't get a single bit of this Max Pacioretty stuff. Um, he's, he's a 30-goal scorer, except, with the exception of last year, he's a 30-35 to 35 goal scorer. He's a good captain. He wants to be there. He lives there year-round. His family is there. He's invested in the community. He does all the, you know, charitable stuff. He represents the Canadians well. And he's a good player and a good leader. And all they seem to want to do is run him out of town. And I, for the life of me, I don't understand why a team that can barely score is saying, yeah, we don't want a 30-goal scoring winger on our team. 
I don't get it. I don't get it for a second. It's really hard to figure out what Montreal's strategy is because you're right. They seem to chase talent out of town. And when you looked at the P.K. Subban trade, it was like, okay, well, maybe there are some personality clashes or there there's a divide yeah. in yeah. the leadership in the room. And, yeah. But that would, that would make you think, okay, well, Pacioretty's the captain. He must be the obvious guy that they want to hold on to. But now they're just, you know, throwing down the kerosene again and getting ready to strike the yeah. match. The only thing I can think of, and I just thought of this right now, is could they do a Pacioretty for Panarin trade? Would that help out both Columbus mm. and Montreal? Maybe there's a you know a, a, a high draft pick that goes well, with Pacioretty because Panarin's obviously uh, younger and better at this point. Interesting. In Montreal, but, I mean, you got some water. It's not an ocean, no. but you've got what is it? Is, what what water? water? St. Lawrence River. St. Lawrence River. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Artemi. Yeah. It's a start. And I wonder too. <laughs> at this point, so we know there are certain teams hunting for left wingers. Uh, Los Angeles got Eli Kovalchuk. Florida got Mike Hoffman. Those would have been two good landing spots for Max Pacioretty. Um, so the market for him won't be as big as it was even a few weeks ago. So if you're the Habs, might you be now that it's out? Now that the cat's out of the bag, that he's a rental or or that he's he's on the block. Do you wait until the trade deadline? Do you do you start the year with Pacioretty in your lineup, mm-hmm. and then do you hope to get more bidders coming in? In March, or do you think the goal is to trade him before the season starts? Uh, I, I think if you've made up your mind that you're going to trade him, I, I think you, you have to do it sooner rather than later. I mean, as, as much as, you know, I mean, even if he has a great year and drives up the market, you know, as a rental at the trade deadline, teams are not going to be willing to give up as much as they will now yeah. because they'll have, you know, this whole year to be able to try to come to an agreement with them, or maybe they, maybe they come to an agreement beforehand. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't, I think if, if you, if you're down that road and that's what you're going to do, then you, you, you have to deal them as soon as you can. Right. And I wonder, I mean, to me, if you're thinking about who are the fits right now for Pacioretty, I mean, some people would have said the Oilers a while back, but now Nugent Hopkins seems to be established as McDavid's left winger. But I'm looking at Chicago. They move out some money with that mm-hmm. Osa trade, mm-hmm. and Vinny Hindestroza was playing their top six. Yeah. So there's a, there's a wing spot open in that top six. Um, unless I mean, unless you move Nick Schmaltz up on uh, and, and have him play in the wing, but to me that sounds like a really nice fit. And Chicago's a team that like they're clearly going for broke now. They're at the end of their run. They their prospect cupboard is pretty bare. Yep. So do you just kind of gut what's left of your prospect system and find a piece that can get you Pacioretty, uh and and add him to your top six for even if it's for one year? Do you think Chicago would be the ideal fit? I don't know. Does it be the ideal fit because it's it's not a team that. They're not going to be. Are they? Are they going to be? Are they going to be that much better with Max Pacioretty? I mean, I mean, we know that. I don't know Chicago. Yeah, but I think a lot. I think a lot of people in this room actually think that Chicago is going to bottom out this year. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to bottom out, you might as well bottom out. What about Pittsburgh, though? Yeah, Pittsburgh yeah. would make a lot of sense too. Because they need wingers. Yeah, and 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 for Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's still good enough. Like yeah. Pittsburgh's like Chicago two years ago, maybe. Yeah. Where they're going the same. Like eventually, when Crosby, Malkin age out, Penguins yeah. are gonna crash as well. But they're they're still a lot more competitive than Chicago. So Pacioretty mm-hmm. could make them a Cup contender again. Yeah. That's interesting. That one I can see. The the only problem there is Pittsburgh also has a very bare cupboard. So you'd have to trade somebody back the other way. Phil Kessel. I'm just I'm just throwing out uh, mm. 
I'm just hot stoving it this whole block. What about what about yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what about Daniel Sprong? Do you go Daniel Sprong for Pacioretty? Ooh, I don't know if that's enough for Montreal. Even though Sprong played in the queue, mm-hmm. um, if I'm Montreal, I don't know if I can trade a 30 goal scoring captain for. I, I think people would be out with tiki torches if that happened, <laughs> or, or at least not necessarily. I, I, think the, I think the fan base would lose their collective poop. If uh, if if they traded Max Pacioretty for Daniel Sprung, I, th- I think yeah. I think I think I think Mark they would not, want not Mark Bourgeois's head on a platter. Like Mac, like Sprung in a first rounder for. Oh, okay. Well, that's Pacioretty. different. Yeah, that's yeah. different. So Sprung yeah. being the main roster player. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, to me, it's it's interesting, and this is a sort of a segue to our next trade candidate. Um, but to me, it's not like when a guy's got several years left on his deal, or even let's say two or more. It's understandable what the stakes are in the trade. And if a guy's a rental, the deadline, it's pretty easy to figure out mm-hmm. what's a fair price. Mm-hmm. But to me, this one-year mm-hmm. rental is complicated because you don't know if you're going to extend the guy. What's a fair price? You're only getting him for one year. Yep. But it seems like these deals are hard to make. And we're seeing the same thing with Eric Carlson mm. in Ottawa. And this is the other question that's on everyone's mind. Is the Carlson trade going to get done? It was reported as almost done in Dallas, almost done in Tampa Bay. And neither rumor turned out to be true. So do you guys think that Carlson is going to get traded? First off, I, I don't know. I'm going to say right here, I don't know. And I'm also going to say, you don't know. You don't know. I don't He's even pointing know if, at us I don't right even now. Know if, I don't even know if Pierre Dorian knows. Uh, certainly the people covering these teams don't know. I mean, I think anybody who can say, sit here and say with certainty that Eric Carlson's going to get traded before the season, I think it's just blowing it out their keister. Yeah. Really, uh, I, like to, to be honest with you, because because there are so many moving parts. It's such a difficult trade to make. There's so much, so much emotion involved. Um, you know, this is a really, really, like, complicated transaction that, um, you know, obviously they've tried to take a couple of runs at it already. And... Today, are we any closer? Like, I think we're further away today than we were a couple of weeks ago to him being traded. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not hearing anything now. So the answer is I, I don't know if he's going to be moved. I said a couple of weeks on the podcast that I thought he'd be playing for the Ottawa Senators next year, and I'm still inclined to think that. I feel that the potential Dallas negotiations <clears throat> are a pretty good example of, of – what you were talking about, Matt, about the problem of a guy with one year left on his deal, a, a kind of rental, but not really. You know, if we if we go by some of the reports that, that were out there, Ottawa wanted Miro Heiskanen, Dallas said Julius Honka. And that's a pretty big gap that's in a, terms that's of That's a massive gap. Yeah. That's a gulf. Yeah. And so if you're Ottawa, you say like, okay, but we can't trade the best player we've ever had for... A, a prospect that hasn't shown he's he he can be a top pairing defenseman already. We need we need at least that potential. And Dallas is saying, well, we're not going to trade one of our best prospects in years for a guy that might leave us after right. one season yeah. if things yeah. don't go well, the way. I, I think I think you have to assume that there's going to be a that there's going to be a tra- uh, there's going to be some kind of agreement in place that yeah. he's going to sign before you make that deal. Right. I, I think that has to be and I think that's part of what is making this such a difficult deal to mm-hmm. make. And yes Ryan, you're absolutely right. For anybody who's listening, yes, Eric Carlson is the best player the Senators have ever had. He's the greatest player in franchise history. Daniel Alfredson even said it himself. So if you think that it's different that it's Daniel Alfredson, just be quiet. 
Of course. I don't, I don't I mean to me. And look at the trophies. Yeah, look at the, yeah. And then, I mean, yeah. Carlson should have, he has two Nori. I think he should have Nori. four Nori, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> at least uh, three. At yeah. least, definitely. Yeah. And to me, it's, I mean, we don't know exactly what's happening, but I think you guys are right. I, I, if I'm, I'm going to speculate, I think it's that the Senators are holding out for that big time prospect or even established young players. So in Tampa yeah. Bay, I'm going to assume it's Tampa offering Cal Foot and Ottawa saying, no, we want Sergachev. Right. And if an extension yeah. is in the offing, I think good for you, Pierre Dorian, because a lot of people are saying he has no leverage. But if there's an extension that's going to happen as part of the trade, you do have some leverage. He has leverage. Yeah. He's got one of the best players in the world. That's the yeah. thing. He's still <laughs> Eric Carlson. One of the best players in the world. He's got Eric Carlson. Yeah. That gives him leverage. Right. And you can always take another kick at the can. Like, if you're going to get, if you're getting a Julius Honka for Eric Carlson, then get that in March when he's a yeah. true rental. Yeah. But if you're trying to trade him in the summer, yeah, yeah, I think no. it's, it's, and it sounds funny. It's embarrassing for Dorian to say, but he's probably learned from the Matt Duchesne trade yeah. to make sure you get a good haul. All I could think yeah. of when they were talking about that three-way trade with uh, the Rangers was like, three-way trades don't go very well for Ottawa. You had the one with Nashville, with Kyle Turris, and then you had what was essentially a three-way trade for Mike Hoffman that came back and, and bit Ottawa. I know they didn't know it was a three-way trade when yes, they made right, it that's right. with San Jose, but that's how it turned out, so... If I'm Pierre Dorian, my next trade has a stipulation that says, you can't trade that guy to another team for a year or we get your next three first-rounders. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to do some reader questions now. and I think I'm going to butcher this name. I'm going to try it, and I'm really sorry to this, this person. Vif Vichy. I'm sorry, Vith. Or, Holy or smokes. V, or Vit. I, I'm, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's VJ. Oh, VJ is the last name. Yeah, it looks like it. Vit VJ. It's, it's someone whose initials are VV, and we apologize if we just destroyed your name. Um, but the double question, v. The question, double v. Double v. And in Quebec, he'd be yeah. Dubbe. The question from Dubbe. 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 Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the question from Double V is, can you talk about the top three draft prospects for 2019? Who do you guys feel will be going first, second, and third overall, and why? I think it's pretty clear who's going to be number one, but Ryan, as the draft guy, let, let's lead it off with you here. Yeah, so Jack Hughes is the guy that everyone's talking about, and rightfully so. Um, plays for the NTDP, uh, for USA Hockey. For me, I, I've watched him for a couple of years now. I think he's the next Patrick Kane. Uh, they're about the same size, but the difference is I believe Jack Hughes will be a center at the NHL level. Obviously, Patrick Kane has had a fantastic career uh, as a winger, but I think Hughes will be that center. He's just so talented, so dynamic, so slippery. Uh, the first time I saw him live was when he was playing minor midget in Toronto. And every time he got the puck, it was either a scoring chance or a penalty for the other team because nobody could get a beat on him. Uh, just a fantastic player. Second player I'll mention, uh, and we actually had him ranked a little bit lower in, uh, in draft preview for 2019, but Capo Kako uh, from Finland, play for, plays for TPS. Um, one of uh, the Junior League's top scorers this year uh, has played up in terms of his age internationally. Uh, a lot of the times with Jesperi Kakaniemi, who Montreal took third overall. Uh, just a fantastic scoring winger. I'm not saying he's the next Patrick Laine, but it's hard to say, you know, finish winger with great scoring potential and, and not think Laine right now. But this kid's got a ton of potential, and I think we'll see him continue to climb the ranks. Um, if he develops the way we, we think he will. Third player I'll, I'll mention is Alex Newhook, who is a Boston College commit playing for Victoria in the BCHL. Pretty incredible, because he, he's not a huge kid, um, not small, but 
He was one of the BCHL's top scorers this year. Missed some time due to an injury at the end. But he did that as a 16-year-old. And the BCHL, I would say, is if not the best yeah. junior A league, oh, yeah. then it's second to the Alberta League, depending on what year you're talking about. But for him to do what he did with Victoria at his age is really impressive. He's the kind of kid that does everything fast. And I almost see him as like a better Robbie Fabry hmm. at this point. Uh, again, a little bit bigger. And I, I think the upside is such that you say like, wow, like this is a kid that, you know, when he doesn't have the puck, he's going to get the puck and he uses his speed to do it. And that, that's what kind of reminded me of Fabry when he was just coming up with the Blues. But uh, Newhook, I, I think he's going to put up some devastating numbers for Victoria again this year, and, and that'll help put him in that top echelon. Well, I mean, beyond Jack Hughes, I can't tell you a thing, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. This time of beyond, year, yeah, that's, beyond Jack Hughes, yeah. all I can tell you is, Ryan, can you give me a guy, a name name of a guy who's maybe in the mid-20s right now? In the mid-20s for yeah. 2019? For 2019, uh, yeah. Just, just for fun, we'll say Archer Kaliev with Hamilton. Okay, he's yes. gonna be a top three guy. Ah, yeah, there we go. He's gonna be a top three guy, because it always happens. You know, yeah, some, some guy jumps up that nobody yeah. really thought of, and he has a great Ivan Holinka, and then he has even a better start to the season, right. and he's yeah. great, There's and he has a yeah. 88 Clark points or 90 points. The year yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, that's my guy. Actually, one more name that could sort of fit there, uh, and I don't know how everybody else has him, but uh, Maciej Kajkovic, the Slovakian kid that was taken number one overall by St. John in the import draft. He is coming over. Uh, he yep. had a great under-18s for Slovakia, one of the top scorers in the tourney. Um, him coming to North America, I think, will enable him to get used to things over here, but also put up a lot of points and, and get more of a spotlight. So that would be a fun one. So my, my three guys are Jack Hughes and, and those two guys. <laughs> those two guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting, too, because especially with Hughes and Newhook, Two kids under six feet, and the trend continues. We've seen it in recent drafts with mm -hmm. defensemen like Kale McCarr mm -hmm. and Quinn Hughes, uh, but yeah. now we're seeing it with a couple of forwards. I mean, I know there was Patrick Kane, Mitch Marner, uh, but I think, again, it's becoming more and more of a trend. You don't have to be the big monster anymore. Nope. And, yep. you know, it's fascinating. Even guys like Newhook, like 10 years ago, they might not have been able to make the same impact, and especially Jack Hughes. I mean, Jack Hughes now, it's like there's an open road for him to be a monster scorer that people yep. probably wouldn't have perceived as available 10 years ago. So it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, you can't stop what you can't catch. That's right, exactly. Uh, next question is from Jarrett Moss. And Jarrett says, when will Houston get an NHL team? I'll, I'll, I'll start with this one because I've been trying to push this theory for a while. If Seattle's coming in to the Pacific Division, that gives you nine teams. The Central has seven teams. Houston's in a central time zone. So to me, it's logical to move the Arizona Coyotes to Houston and then they're in the Central Division. Then you've got a nice balance of eight teams. Houston's a big market. And I know some people are saying, well, Arizona, maybe there's potential for it to finally become a hockey town. But they think there's still hope there, especially when you've got, got a guy like Austin Matthews that comes out of there. Mm. But I, I, think I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think that makes yeah. one iota of difference. I, think it's I don't think it late. moves a needle at all. Yeah. So to me, that would be the move. Move Arizona to Houston. That sounds, that sounds like the way you would want to go with this. Um, they don't have an arena yet. Um, they aren't drawing well in the arena they're in. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of oomph in that market. Um, but, you know, guys, I don't... 
I don't understand the NHL this way. We've been saying for 10 years that Arizona is going to slash should move, and they still haven't. So I, I don't know that it's that. Like, I, I suppose if Houston's going to get a team, that's how it's going to happen. But I, I, for me to say that's going to happen within the next two years, the next five years, the next eight years, the next 10 years, I don't know. Because there's one thing that Gary Bettman's really, really good at. Well, there's a lot of things he's really good at. But one of them is finding really rich guys to take teams that are undervalued and have them stick with them um, and turn them around in a lot of cases. So there may be a guy out there who's got a ton of money that wants to get a toy and maybe he wants to buy a team and Gary Bettman tells him, yeah, look, okay, so the guy in, the guy in Arizona has no money. So you're going to go in, you're going to be the owner, but you got to keep the team there. And he'll say, yeah, okay, I'll make it work somehow. Um, I, I hate to keep saying I don't know, but I, I just, I don't know that you can make a bold proclamation about any of this stuff. No. Houston will be in the league at some point. It's gone X number of years without being in the league. It's now on the radar. They've got an owner now they have an of owner the basketball who's, who's team that wants, that wants yeah. to, that mm-hmm. wants, and that helps. That certainly mm-hmm. helps. But, uh, I, I mean, is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it 20 years? I, I don't know. Yeah. I feel that it is important to distinguish that it's probably going to be a relocation if Houston's going to get a team because with Seattle, 32 is just such a good, clean number, four divisions, eight teams, yep. or eight divisions of four teams. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but you could, I mean, that's what the NFL does. Yeah, right. right. That's what the World Cup does. <laughs> sure. <laughs> People like that. Um, but I, I feel that that's the, that's the amount of talent we have in hockey. If you win any more, you're getting into, like, you know, desperate territory, especially because the KHL is a viable option, at least for a couple of teams right now. Um, but so for Houston, they are definitely, you know, in the waiting room right now. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I, I wonder, too, if maybe the time to do a relocation would be coming out of the next lockout. Because whatever fan base you've built up, I say that with air quotes in Arizona, might finally die out. With, right. If you lose a year of hockey, maybe that's the time to make your move to Houston. Come yeah, unless, yeah, unless, I mean, yeah. But the league as a whole came back stronger than it ever had after the last full season lockout. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a lot more to it than we know and we can understand. There are, you know, lease agreements and, and all these other sorts of things that have to happen. But, you know, I mean, but by the same token, you know, Atlanta needed a place to go and needed to get out of Dodge, and there was a place. Mm-hmm. So I think, first of all, it's incumbent upon Houston having a building that I mean, you can't even think about getting a team now in the NHL without having the building first. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, like they won't even consider it. it relocation, expansion, nothing. You have to have at least plans in place to have a building in place. So that's the first thing they have to do, and then you're kind of hoping that the Arizona situation becomes like an Atlanta situation where it's like, oh, man, uh, the wolves are on the doorstep here. We got to get out of here. Right, and we need a place where we can go real quick. That can that can we can hit the ground yeah, running exactly. So I think that's the scenario. Yeah, I'd, personally, I'd love to see a Houston team, and then I, I feel like Ottawa and Quebec City would be pretty interesting too. 
and then that again that you don't have to change divisions for that either yep. that would be kind of a neat you know by mm-hmm. 2025 that's your your configuration i think it could work um next question is from russell hartman how big of an impact will philip Schietel, or as ryan says Schietel, Schietel, Schietel. and lias anderson or lias anderson yes have for the <clears throat> rangers next season can they be a surprise team similar to the devils this past season yeah, I think if they're going to be a surprise, that's going to be the route. Uh, I think the good thing about Anderson and Heedle is, A, they, both of them have already made their NHL debuts. So they, they know what it's all about. You know, they've, they've had a, a little bit of experience. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that's really nice is both of them are two-way players. These are guys that obviously they're going to get better as the years go on. But... At least now their games are already rounded. Like you're not looking at them and seeing a big deficiency. And I think with Heedle in particular, the defensive side, when he got those games right at the beginning of the season, that was a a nice wake-up call for him. And he took that experience for the rest of his season. I think for both of them, you're looking at players that could really energize a franchise that right now is is in a rebuild and – um, is in need of a, a bit of a, a push. And I think when you bring in those young guys that are hungry and passionate, um, that can have a really positive impact on your roster. I think, you know, for either of them, maybe you're looking at sort of 45, 50 points this year. Um, wow, that many for, for those Well, guys? you know, at the high end, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, if they yeah, get a good okay, role, yeah, if, they, yeah. if they give them the ice yeah. time and, yeah. and they really come in, um, and, and they can, again, they can be energizers. I think that it's going to be tough for the Rangers in that division to, to make the playoffs. But um, I, I think they're on the right path. I think what, what Jeff Gordon has done since he took over as GM has been really savvy. I mean, he's looked at how teams get successful in the NHL, and he's following that template. He's getting lots of high picks. Yep. Um, you know, he's getting the guys he wants. You know, I, I'm thinking about Vitaly Kraftsoff, them taking him, you know, in the top 10, uh, where, you know, they did not fear the Russian factor. They said, we thought he was the second best forward in the draft, so we're taking him. Um, I, I like when teams are bold like that. And, uh, and I think Anderson and Kiedel are kind of the tip of the spear, and, and New York's going to get more good young players. Um uh, in the 2019 draft as well. They're already set up nicely in the 2019 draft. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that the Rangers are going to be the Devils from last year. And I think for a couple of reasons. Number one is, say what you want about Taylor Hall, but Taylor Hall doing what he did this year was not a huge surprise. Like, it was a big surprise, but but you could see that happening. He right? was the first overall pick. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the talent could, was always yeah, there. Yeah, the talent was always there. Um, it was a matter of, you know, directing it in the in the right way and sort of getting his headspace out of getting traded being and the healthy. whole deal. Yeah, being healthy, yeah. the whole deal. So so there was that. There was there was Nico Heischer. There was, you know, they were there. I look at that roster that the Rangers have, and, and I mean, there's way, there was way more talent on the Devils last year than there is on this roster. I, I mean, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Ken, Ken is looking at the Rangers depth chart right now. If you're wondering why he's making that sense. Yeah. Like, I, I, th- I, think, I think Matt Zuccarello is going to be traded at the trade deadline. Right. Uh, and the UFA. Yeah. And yeah. even Kevin Hayes is a guy, he's an RFA, but he's a guy yeah. to me that might have peaked. Yeah. Doesn't play as big as he is. And I will say one thing, too, is that the pro- part of, I think part of the problem with the Rangers is that what do you do if Henrik Lundqvist continues to regress 
or age. 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 Might be age. The right yeah. Word. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have to keep playing him. That's the problem. You kind of have to keep playing him, mm-hmm. right? Because he's King Henrik. And he said he doesn't want to leave. Right. And so what do you do in that situation? I think what you do is you first recognize that this rebuild that they're doing is going to take years. And, yep. and all rebuilds do. Let's not forget this. They mm-hmm. all take years. Mm-hmm. I think the best case scenario, if you're the Rangers, is you know Igor Shesterkin comes over in a couple of years get some AHL experience, um, and then he starts getting some starts with Lundqvist, and eventually he takes over. And this is a process that takes years. So I think the best case scenario for New York is that everything just kind of solves itself. Yeah. Where, you know, Lundqvist, by the end of his career, he's essentially, he's he's a backup to Shesterkin. Right. Uh, or Olaf Lindbaum. He's, got three, he's got three years left on his deal, eh, guys? He does. Three years. But Shesterkin's not over here yet. Yeah, he's yeah, still under yeah. contract in yeah. Russia. And then you want to make sure that he gets used to North America. So you send him to Hartford. By then, Lundqvist, the deal's done or it's almost done. And you've got your, um, you know, your, your legacy plan figured out. To, to or at honest, least you hope. To be honest with you guys, I think the the New York Rangers doing what the Devils did last year could be the absolute worst thing that could happen to the New York Rangers. That's true. Yeah, they, That's they the absolute worst thing that could happen to the, Yeah. Pick. That would be the absolute no but not just for that, Matt. I think I think, you know, that's a market where, okay, that people start to see, oh, this team's getting better, you know, and then they start to think there's something they're not, and yeah. it just becomes a one-off, which is, which might actually be what happened to the Devils. Like, that might, they may go, Although, they may regress. Although, to Shiro's credit, though, he didn't make yeah. any moves this offseason. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, but, I, but I, I think that, I think, actually, that would probably be a terrible thing mm-hmm. yeah. for the Rangers, because then you start to get tempted to go... Oh, okay. Maybe this thing's going quicker than we thought. Maybe we were better than we thought, and yeah. maybe you're not. Yeah. And then you stick with guys, or you go out and get guys. Uh, you know, right. I, I wouldn't want if I were a Ranger fan looking at the long term game. I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd want that right. to happen. Well, it's like when the Leafs, uh, like the Kessel, Dion Phaneuf Leafs, had that one playoff season, and yeah. they signed Phaneuf to the huge extension. Yeah. yeah. And then all because yeah. they they weren't they were better they they weren't as good as they thought they were. Right. Uh, to me, if there's a team in the East that's going to be the surprise out of nowhere, fast rebuilder this year, I think it's going to be Buffalo mm-hmm. because with, yeah. you get to beat up on Montreal, Detroit, and Ottawa in the Atlantic. Yes, the top of the division's tough, but that's okay. You've got Middlestat now centering your second line for a full season. You've got defensive insulation, even though you lose O'Reilly. You've got you have, Patrick Berglund, Vladimir Sabaka. Yeah. You've, got, you've got Carter Hutton, yeah. who, again, is probably going to be better than Robin Lehner was last year. Yep. You've got Rasmus Dahlin, mm-hmm. who, again, we have to temper our expectations for an 18-year-old defenseman, but this is a generational talent by most accounts. Mm-hmm. He's going to make your team yeah, better. Generational at his, talent? At his position, yeah. Most okay. hyped defenseman yeah, is Denny Plotkin, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, and you've added Connor Sheary. You've added so many pieces to that mm-hmm. lineup. Mm-hmm. And, again, not saying – I mean, I'm not putting Buffalo in the playoffs, but if there is a team, just to answer that question, Russell yeah. Hartman's question, if there's going to be the team that, oh my God, these guys are way yeah, ahead oh, of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I think it's going to be Buffalo, yeah. and maybe it's Casey Middlestat winning the Calder Trophy, mm. having a great year. That's the team I'm looking at in the yeah. East. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yep. Well, the time to speculate on games is not quite here yet as the summer progresses, but uh, we'll have some more trade scuttlebutt, I'm sure, next time. And thanks for listening, everybody.